Welcome to the Powered by Age, Age-Friendly City Zoomcast, reality-style podcast. We are movers and shakers, shaking up the old notion of silent, helpless, invisible seniors. This is a new series of podcasts funded by the City of Vancouver and the 411 Senior Center Society. As PBAAFC ambassadors, we raise awareness, share our original stories and poems, inform, advocate, and involve seniors in discussing important social issues. In short, these podcasts will help us, you, in creating an age-friendly city for Vancouver today, tomorrow the world. You can hear us everywhere podcasts are heard. Okay, welcome to our official seventh month of meetings at the Age-Friendly Ambassadors. A little bit of background. In 2018, Powered by Age podcasts uh, emerged from a creative writing course at the 411 Center. And it was a collaboration between the 411 Center and Podstream Recording Studios. And they did three three episodes of podcasts that were about 45 minutes each, and they were aired on October 1st of last year, making this our first anniversary. And I'm Charlotte Farrell, the host of the program. We have had the wonderful opportunity of meeting new people, sharing our stories, sometimes having guest speakers, but we found a lot of rich stuff has come from the stories, the poems, experiences that you shared. Uh, The number one goal for the Powered by Age group was to transfer communication technology to seniors. And the second one was one that we keep bringing up from time to time is to present things, opinions, stories, um, songs, whatever, that change the current negative perception of aging or older people. So... In January, we started meeting at the 411 Center. That by March, the pandemic set in, and we have been using our skills and sharing our creativity. Now, this is officially the seventh month. <laughs> so, today, the question that we're asking the group or asking you are what are some ways that you challenge the history, challenge things during the shutdown? What are some of the ways that you have had more inspiration, received a given inspiration, received a given hope, received a change of perspectives about love? And I'm going to open by having each of you briefly introduce yourselves, and then we'll delve into those questions. So, Neil? Yeah, hello. Uh, My name is Neil Ryan, and... uh, I'm a writer of poetry and short stories, and uh, uh, to kind of preclude the discussion is that uh, what I've done is I rewrote my book, and I just received the manuscript, the final manuscript this morning that I've got to go through and say, yes, all the corrections have been done uh and 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 it's ready to go to press and so i have a book i've had it i i've been publishing this same book for for three or three years anyway and uh it's called from the other side and it's short stories and 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 mostly poetry 
And that's what I've done in the last seven months is that I've edited the book, uh, uh, added poets, uh, added poems, and uh, it's ready to go under bookshelves in bookstores. And uh, so anyway, yes, yes. And, and in the meantime, I've had adventures of hikes here and there that... <laughs> that uh, should be written up as short stories. Yes, we're going to come back to some of those. So thank you and congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> Leslie? Uh, yes, I'm Leslie Hebert from New Westminster. I am an English teacher. I teach ESL online, and I also write short stories, poetry, and I'm currently working on a travel memoir. Okay, Don. Uh, Don Martin. Um, this is my first time here. Let's see. I I um, uh, have been in Quirky for several years. Um, I recently edited, co-edited um, our last uh, anthology with uh, Val Innes. That's called um, um, "Together We Stand: Queer Elders Speak Out." Um, and I've, uh, I was a public health educator for about 25 years. And interestingly, Leslie, one of my f main things I worked on was language access for non-English speakers um, to get public health information, which is a really big problem. Um, um, I, I trained as a journalist and uh, have done a lot of writing all my life, but I really never have had anything published until this book that Chris is holding up. Um, uh, but I've written quite a few sort of short memoir pieces and I'm, um, I continue to do that. So it's been really fun being in a writer's group. I've never been in, in a group like this before and it's a great group. There's so many wonderful people. So thanks for letting me be here. Well, we welcome you and look forward to sharing. Uh, Chris? Well, for most of it, I'm just going to say ditto to Don. I'm also, I live in East Van, and I'm uh, also participant in, uh, in Quirky um, at Britannia Community Center. And I've participated in other things at Britannia as well uh, in, the, in the senior center. And um, I've been struggling for a number of years with memoir writing, and I have, I think a bit like Don said, I've got lots of bits and pieces of things. And so this year I'm in a new group that we're calling the Peter Pan Memoir Group <laughs> because everybody, we all want to do memoir, but we're doing it in, in using different, um, different ways. So it could be with some cartoons, it could be with with uh, drawing, it could be just the writing, it could be with photographs. So people where all of us have our own sort of style of, of doing this. So I'm, so I'm happy to be in this group and finally coming back to memoir. Um, I don't know whether I'll ever have it finished while I'm still here on this earth, but uh, I'm trying. <laughs> yeah, one of the things that, um, 
I've learned, I've been taking these three days of just amazing workshops with uh, Adobe Max, and they were talking about collaboration because we have this challenge when we're each working individually, but uh, what are some of your thoughts about collaborating with others? Well, I'll go, I'll go first. I think um, for me, one of the things that I know about myself is that I tend oftentimes to think out loud. I'm stimulated. My ideas and thoughts are really stimulated through conversation and discussion. So for me, working, working on my own is actually very difficult. Um, and last year in, in, the, in the small group that we were in, a lot of the time that we spent together was discussing discussing different different things in our lives, which for me then enables me to actually go and do something, sort of enables me to go and do something more personal. So for me, so that's one way of collaboration in that way. With uh, Quirky, we've done these anthologies. Um, and I don't know how many, but I think we must be around six or seven. I've kind of lost track. How many? Oh, oh eight. Eight. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all collaborative in the sense that um, each year we've kind of picked a theme and different ones have worked, have written different pieces that reflect that, reflect that theme. And so in the end, we put together um, anthologies. So it's a different form of collaboration. And Donna, you can say something about the actual book that we had published, if you want. So I, I think for me, collaboration is very rich. Um, I'm, I'm not a person who works alone. Adan is shaking his head. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I, I get a lot of stimulation from working collaboratively. It's a much slower process, I think. Um, and it, it requires really listening carefully and not always talking when you feel like you have to, which is my problem. <laughs> uh, I, I tend to talk over people sometimes, so I have to really be conscious of that. But, um, uh, you know, with the book that Chris is talking about, um, uh, we had a we had sort of a broad theme, um, and we all um, kind of came at it from different angles. Um, and there was quite a variety of different things, everything from poetry to um, to longer stories to um, uh, well, um, it's mostly memoir. But there's there's also drawings and cartoons and. Um, stuff like that. So, I mean, I think that there's, there's a lot you can do beyond just writing. Um, and it's, it's kind of fun to, to broaden out into um, uh, recording visuals and, um, and, and doing little short movies and stuff like that. That's very exciting to me, Charlotte. I would, I'm interested in that a lot too. I'd like to know more about that. So um, I have a long background in, working in collectives and in cooperatives. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that so much of that work is the process of um, 
getting to know people and being able and feeling comfortable uh, working together and understanding each other's personalities and quirks and stuff like that. So that's a lot of what collaboration is, I think. And, and, and allowing and giving people power. Um, I think that's really important too. So um, collaboration is a, is a process where everybody shares and, and gets to share in decision-making and, um, and kind of the direction of the group or whatever. Yeah, what do you think, Leslie? Yeah, I'm thinking um, with collaboration, I mean, one of the benefits is not doing it alone. Um, I've been involved in various groups, committees, community projects for many, many years, starting from when I had my kids in cooperative preschool many years ago. But there's always somebody to share the burden you know, you're not 100% responsible. Um, and you can do more together. You're more powerful together as well as, you know, various political activist groups, you know, demonstrate. Um, in my life right now, um, as a writer, I find writing is a very lonely process. And the idea of getting together, I belong to this wonderful writers group right now, um, getting together, getting feedback, getting suggestions, how to improve, um, seeing you writing through different eyes and, you know, giving you an opportunity to learn from that feedback and to benefit and to improve. Um, also, politically, I'm involved in the New Westminster Council of Women. And again, that is an opportunity to join together with other women to advocate, to lobby for change, for positive change. So, yeah, many, many benefits. Yes. Bill is tapping his shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm protecting myself, that's why. Well, my first day in public school was grade four. I was 10 years old. I had lived from when I was five years old to when I was 10, almost 10, in a lumber camp, and I was the only there was one other child there for most of the time that I was there. And um, so I never learned how to be social. Mm. And it's always frightened me to be, I, I, I love being the center of attention, but that's not collaborative in its, in it. it's like, being the center of attention. I love sharing my words, my poetry, and I, 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 I gotta be honest, I, I don't know where it comes from because it, it, on occasion, on occasion it's brilliant. And, uh, and it's mostly in, in poetry and, but I've been, I've been searching for myself is somebody over, building over, something? Over 50 years. Someone's it's, knocking on the door. No, that's some somebody in the building. They've, they're doing somebody renovation. Uh, yeah. 
Oh, I see. It's another part of our closeness. <laughs> the reality of our our actual locations. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, um, I... I... I, there's nothing I can do about the train yard, which is right next. It's, it's uh, a thousand yards down below me. I'm on the 19th floor, and the sky train uh, goes by every three minutes. So there's nothing I can. I told them to shut it down when I do my, <laughs> my Zoom meeting, but they, they ignored me. Yeah, they probably thought there'd be a line of protesters outside the building. Get that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but to just to, to to close the circle and that is is that uh, I, I, I uh, all my friends are dead and uh, yeah I'd love to I'd love to have a group that I uh, learn from and, and share with but uh, you know, I don't know how to go from here to there. But you frequently share here. You taught us. Yeah, I'd, I love very much. Give us poems and stories. So it's it's um I think it's a, just a way that's evolving and, and being. But differently, when I was growing up in Kansas City. There's a lot of competition within education, more the focus, uh, particularly for me and, and other black children, is that you have to do things twice as hard. You have to be twice as good. So it was feeling all of my childhood like I was in competition with this need <laughs> to be um, to be better. And, and at the platform, we, we did science fair projects. When I was in the fourth grade, someone came into our class and they called out names. And I was so hoping that my name would be among they were calling because I didn't know what it was being called for, but I wanted to be in the group. And so they took us into a fifth grade class and they said that America was in, in competition with the Russians and that we had to have this program to beat the Sputnik program. So they were reshaping some classrooms to have kids that were more excited and advanced with science in with the next higher grade. And every year from the fourth grade until I graduated, I was always in a science fair. But our projects from in grade school, we built this frog together. We made a, this huge paper mache frog and we painted it and we went over to this big building a fancy building in Kansas City, Missouri, where our projects were there among the other them, the other kids, but um, as we got into high school, our projects were almost like secretive, and so we built our things, and then we presented it, and there was this competition whether, whether you're going to be outstanding, second, or first place. They didn't give those things that, you know, they didn't believe in the everybody participated type of a badge that people are advocating now. You were first, second, third, or you were, you know, also entered or something. And so now I'm thinking how much more 
as exciting or how much greater depth we could have done with some of those projects if the person in the group that was really good with the art part, somebody that really liked uh, the research, somebody that was good with the math, we could have gone further faster. And so this is kind of what Adobe has been exhibiting with the collaborations that occurred with them just planning how to do a three-day virtual conference uh, to showing one of the first things that people do in collaboration is identify what everybody's good in. I mean, everybody's writing the book, but somebody might really be great with the kind of illustrations or things that could go through. Somebody else might be good at the other end when it comes to publicizing or doing the social media on it. But just kind of getting this thing where everybody feels like, aside from this general project, everybody is special for something that they're bringing to the table. Mm. And listening to presentations that were given by the people, they were so, it's like, hey, are these people on speed? <laughs> because everybody was so excited when it came to their piece of this overall project, whether it was showing people a way that in five minutes you could animate, you know, make an animation from a story or showing really complicated things like coloring. My nemesis, I, I did uh, senior age went back to school and went to filmmaking. I was the oldest person. But some of my teachers, they didn't know that they, I was older than them. And they would say, oh, when you get to be my age, you'll see this or that. <laughs> and I would just laugh, you know, and not tell them. But again, the teams were set up to be in competition with each other. And some of the things in these very products, like the, the uh, editing systems, the graphic systems, the lighting systems, all of these things, if the people were really set to work together as a team, you get greater results. And so the team that did that movie, uh, I always forget the name, it won several Oscars, and it was the hotel, it's about a hotel, I'll think of the name, but anyhow, that, but that team all worked together. Not that like the Hotel Hyacinth, the one in India, is it? The, the great... The world's best hotel, uh, the best, the very best Marigold Hotel. Yeah, well, there was, uh, it was similar to that. But I, 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 I need to add one last thing, uh, and that is that Leslie and I have cooperated and created, That's right. created yes. a beautiful uh, combination of poetry and Leslie's poetry and, and, uh, and my short stories that uh, I'll link up to the same topic, which was being in the lumber camp and and and, and during the war, and the uh, I'm sorry, just right after the war, and and so and that was a beautiful piece. We really, really, we we've done it uh, 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 on on one of your shows. Yes. And it's in the spins. I mean, on the website, on the Powered by Age website now, it's got, it's still emerging, but it has one section that's called episodes and the other one is called spins, listening sessions, where people could just go and they could listen to that uh, genre, that new creation by Neil and Leslie, or they could go and would hear Chris's story. Uh, sometimes. Well, that was uh, a gift, Leslie. That from, yeah, from it worked out amazingly well. It was just seamless. Yeah. yeah. yeah and people, it may be a new genre. So people hearing mm -hmm. it might be inspired for other people to collaborate, to combine their poem yeah. with a song or a poem with a story. 
Yeah, I'm just reading a, a poetry book right now that's actually a combination of poetry and prose, very similar to, to what we did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. on the topic of competition and collaboration, and, and I never worked well with competition, and my educational experience was completely different. There seemed to be no competition um, until I hit sixth form, which would be the equivalent of grades 11 and 12, I guess. And then we got a lot of pressure from the school, from the teachers at the school, um, because you have to do better if you want to go to university and you have to get your grades up and you have to, and there was, they almost, they played students against each other, which I thought was horrible. Um, they played me against another girl in the class who was, we were both, I, I don't want to brag or anything, but I guess I was kind of gifted, but I just broke. I didn't, I said, I don't even want to go to university. It's not worth it. Right. Mm -hmm. And it didn't work for me at all. Um, later on, uh, sort of when I did go back to SFU, um, most of the courses that I took there, uh, we worked in a, on a lot of collaborative projects and getting into English as a second language. Um, collaboration is a very important way of learning uh, for English second language speakers because they can work together and practice their language together. So a whole different model. And yeah, competition doesn't do it for me. How within this particular shutdown, safe distancing, what are some ways that you have found that you've either inspired someone or been inspired? Well, I did a lot of I did a lot of uh, I did a lot of theater in my youth, um, and uh, and am still participating in in uh, various theatrical productions on Zoom now. Um, but I have a, a really close old friend who's been very ill. Um, we were both actors um, and uh, I directed him actually in a couple of different shows. And um, I kind of inspired him to get, to, uh, get involved with this one group uh, um, that's reading Shakespeare plays. They're just doing readings on Zoom. They're not trying to do productions or whatever. Um, and uh, it's been really fun to, to kind of be involved in that and sort of watch him um, get into it. But then he had this brilliant idea of doing a play on his own. He wanted to direct his own play his own play and he's, you know, he's not able to go out of his apartment at all. And he can't really even have anybody come in because he's got uh, really, really bad lungs and any kind of even a cold would, would be really bad for him. Um, he's been in the hospital several times just with cold viruses, but um, so having this ability to do theatrical productions on zoom, was like this huge light bulb went off in his brain and he's he's now he's um, starting to work on his second production so I'm very excited about that he's going to do well he did who's afraid of Virginia Woolf and he played um, the the uh, Elizabeth Taylor part himself in the <laughs> he broke it into three acts um, so there were three different recordings and then there were different actors um, in the different acts so um, and it was really, it, it turned out really, really good. Um, I was very impressed. So he's got a new one, he's got another one coming up. So that's been really, really fun. 
uh, Don, I've got two short sto- short stories that I've that that uh, one is in my current uh, book, uh, and it's a trial uh, for a soul that's about to be born, and he wants the woman that's carrying his is incarnate. He wants her to have an abortion because he doesn't want to enter into a uh, into a dysfunctional alcoholic family mm-hmm. and it's a beautiful little play uh, of uh, four characters and and uh, I would love to have, uh, see if we could do something on in that regard it it's uh, it's a wonderful oh. story yeah you'll have to let me read it Oh, that's so exciting because when you when you were saying that I was pitching Neil's got two stories he also has one a woman in the car uh, yeah Jane Jane of the car Jane of the car that actually won uh, uh, some kind of recognition at a at a at a at a writing contest and uh, it it didn't didn't win the one of the top three so I assume it it was with a group of winners that were also rents. It's interesting uh, that one of the plays that my friend's considering is um, we have a mutual friend who's a, a playwright um, and he did the, he produced this play last summer. It all takes place in four cars um, and, and the audience sits in the back seat um, and they and they just they they each the actors are in the front seat and they just do one scene and they do it over and over and over again. But the audience changes; they move through the the cars. So you start in out in one car and you move on to the next. So you see the whole play ultimately, but the actors are just doing one one scene. Mm. It's kind of an interesting concept. Well, yeah, my... logistically, um, it sounds like a bit of a nightmare, though. I don't... <laughs> Exactly. I have a good timing. Yeah, exactly. But one of the things that's happening that they were showing that's happening is people, like you said, being an editor and some of the people that know the graphic interfaces and moving things between these cars, they there's some people who shot some things that would have that before were really difficult because they visioned and had to do it in a fixed location, they've been able to tell something where you could have four people that have got audiences in the seat and the story moves along because people have gotten used to, you know, these these square and rectangular formats. People have gotten used to stories being brought forward in a different way. So I think that's that's an exciting possibility. Well, Jane of the Car takes place, Don, in um, in a drive-in movie. Now that uh, everybody's going back to drive-in movies, and uh, and the, Jane becomes a character talking to herself in the car, and it's it's rather interesting. Huh. Well, all, all, all of my work tends to have some psychological aspect to it. Yes, I think that'll be great if Don reads it. One of our, uh, the person that is working with us on doing the recordings on Tuesday, Jesse, uh, is a public affairs director at the radio station, but he also, in his um, repertoire of things, has produced some um, radio plays. So those were very popular at a time, and it's also another genre that's coming back where people are 
you know, maybe sick of looking at the TV, but they like listening to a radio play or audio books. I'm really impassionately working toward producing uh, an audio book of affirmations that would come out at the beginning of the year. And I've invited people to send me either affirmations or if they don't do affirmations, uh, sets of four lines of, of positive thoughts uh, so that they're, I see it. <laughs> but yeah, it would be good for you all. Do you all share your process when you created your anthology? How did you share? I'm just Which, showing you my, my audio book. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> Tell us the name. So this the other listeners won't know. Burger in the afternoon. <laughs> Burger? Murder. Oh, murder in the afternoon. Oh, wow. Where can you get it? The library. In the audiobook section of the library? Well, I I I have the I, I download um books, audio books from Vancouver Public Library. Mm-hmm. And they have all kinds of different genres and uh, they have fiction and nonfiction, and I mean, there's loads of them. And um, I mean, I've gone through, I've gone through at least two authors reading all of all of the books that they've recorded. Wow. So I mean, it's it, I I love it. It's a great resource, and it really does remind me what you were talking about with the radio plays. That I think I think in lots of ways. The audiobooks and also even podcasts are actually very similar to the radio plays that we used to have years gone by, but just in another format. They're not on the radio. Now they're on your laptop. Right. A notebook. People listen to them on their phones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I have... Uh, I found that I can read more books at the same time with the audiobooks. I have um, Audible, and I have a book that a woman has written, um, Goddess, Warrior Goddess Meditation, she wrote as a book, and then she has Warrior Goddess uh, Training. And so I, I alternately listen to the two, and then I have a book by Tony Robbins, and I have another one on crafting scenes. So the one on crafting scenes in, you know, in uh, in a, a, a screenplay, I can't listen to for too long, but it's like a treat because I know after I've listened for that for 20 minutes or so, and then I listen to music or something else, my brain excites different parts of my brain. And then there's some where people just go on and on. I just play it, but I want to go back to sleep. And I'll put it on and set the, the timer for 15 minutes. And wow, I've got one that just really does the trick. <laughs> because uh, you do have to use these different elements that we have. We have a voice. You have pitch. You have background sounds that you can put in things that help keep people moving through an audio book. What about love? You know, a lot of people haven't talked that much about love. I'm, I'm wanting and thinking even to have one of our podcasts deal with sexuality because you see, a hundred times a day, wash your hands, wash your hands. I noticed when people were buying out all the toilet tissue, 
shelves were empty of toilet tissue. The shelves of condoms were full. Like from week to week, I thought, people in that bag. Nobody wanted to get close. <laughs> it's a mystery to me. But, uh, but still, you know, what in terms of sensuality, what, are you, what have been your own thoughts or a transition on love during this period of safe distancing? Well, uh, I, I, I tell you something that I was very surprised because Michelle is a structural engineer working on a huge project and their office downtown closed and she's been working from home for quite a while. And I was really concerned about the, you know, the, the being, being in this small contained area, I mean, with this beautiful apartment with a beautiful view, but being, anyway. Um, but her and I have grown closer, more gentle, uh, and that surprised me. I, I was really, really worried that we were going to be at each other's throat because we're forced to be in this this place. And... She works 12 hours a day, and she's. Uh, I have my own office, and she's taken over the dining room and 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 the living room, and <laughs> and you have the closet. <laughs> and I have the closet. Yes, I'm in the closet. <laughs> well, for us, nothing's really changed. I mean, we've both been retired. I did have the same concern that I was going to be home more, and maybe we get impatient with each other, but. No, I mean, life goes on, love goes on. You know, as retired people, we've actually been spending more quality time together as well, which has made things, you know, sort of enriched our lives a little bit, really. You know, more time in the garden, more time together. So, yeah, I don't think for as a retired couple, nothing's really changed. Um, my, my experience is very different because... Um, as you know from my story, my partner died about four years ago. Mm. So I'm now living alone. And certainly because of all the COVID stuff and because of my age and a couple of health issues, people certainly, people kept their distance. And so one of the things that, that I noticed that I really miss is touch. Mm -hmm. There's no touch anymore because I did have a little bit yesterday. Yesterday, I met a, a friend for coffee and she said, come on, let's just sneak a hug, which is probably the first hug I've had in seven months. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that I find um, one of the really difficult things about, about the COVID. And while I really, I really enjoy the Zooming, um, it, saved, it saves me a lot of time in the sense of if I was going to a meeting, it'd probably take me 40 minutes to get there, 40 minutes to get home and a two-hour meeting. So the Zooming has removed all of that, but it's also removed any physical human contact. Yeah, yeah and that is so important. I yeah. mean, our skin is an organ and it needs stimulation, honestly. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, and on top of that, the fact that I, I'm alone because my partner died. So, you know, that's another whole, another whole dimension, um, if, if, if you like, to, 
being alone. Plus, this is the first time in my life, the very first time in my life that I have lived alone. Mm. All my life, I've been in in places where there have been more than me. And this Mm -hmm. is the first time this last uh, this last year and a bit is the first time I've ever actually lived alone and have to, have had to adjust to mm. living alone, um, which is which uh, which which compounds the experience of of this COVID stuff. Yeah, that's true. As I look back on my life too, I've never lived alone. Um, mm. When I was single, I always had roommates to share the rent. Um, when I lived in London, I lived in a hostel. I was in a room with seven other girls. Um, and I married fairly young, and we've been together since then. So, yeah, I've never been alone. So it is an adjustment. I can understand that, yeah. I remember what my mother went through when my father died. And she was, you know, not only emotionally devastated, but devastated with having to deal with life alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the things I learned from my mother after my father died was that I I would say, I said to her a couple of times, don't you get really lonely being alone and living by yourself? Because you've been with my dad for almost 50 years or however long it was. And she said, she said, when I get lonely, I go to the mall and I sit on a bench and inevitably somebody comes and sits next to me and talks to me. Oh, so I thought that was now it's a little bit more difficult now with COVID, but mm-hmm. that was her, that was her solution to, mm-hmm. um, to the, the aloneness. I mean, she was, my mom was quite happy being alone. I'm not, uh, but my mom was, I mean, she did a lot of gardening. It was always on her own. My dad was always inside reading something and smoking his pipe. Um, so, so there's different, um, different people have different, um, different temperaments and all that stuff. So, so, but I thought that was very creative on her part mm. of going to the mall. <laughs> well, I, I, I've never been uh, without a partner, although I've had several. But uh, when I turned 75, I took my backpack and went to England for nine months and uh, enjoyed a couple of lovers in, in one in London and one in, 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 in New York. And, uh, and, but, but lived in the youth hostels. But again, we're back to the thing about uh, I'm sharing, uh, you, you, you said you shared your, Leslie, you said you shared your apartment with eight other girls in, in uh, I, I did the same. It was a dormitory, not an apartment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I lived in, in youth hostels, so mm. I, I, I would have uh, an occasional, there'd be 12 of us in a room, and some of them guys, some of them girls, and, and uh, uh yeah. Anyway, so 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 I don't know that I've ever that I can say I've ever lived alone, uh, uh, and I'm concerned about Michelle because I'm several years older than her, and uh, I, uh, she's she's still going to have a working life for at least another fifteen years, I think. But uh, anyway. Hey, I got it. 
life has been an adventure. It's that simple. It's been an adventure. I've been having such an re-exploration of self-love. I mean, when we first had, had the shutdown and I couldn't go back and forth to the States, I was really sad because uh, I didn't, I, I, I've met very few people here between um, Poetic Justice and the radio station. That's where I've met the most people. Uh, when I first moved to Toronto, to Canada, I was living in Toronto and had friends there. But then after I had an you know, accident, lived in the States for a while and came here, my daughter came moved back to Canada and came here and I'm happy that I live with her because I've had periods of living by myself but I don't really like living by myself because I don't have anybody to talk to and I don't like just talking on the phone all the time and for a while I've experienced for I was happy at first to see and be able to connect with people on Zoom but then it made me really sad especially when I'm talking with friends from the States because it's like i I can't get to the lady that whatever a, a friend that braids my hair. My braids are down. It, it can't sit six hours with somebody doing close <laughs> distancing to get your hair rebraided. And so it's a lot of things that were part of my life in contact with people. I loved it. It was I've, I've had to work to not be sad. But I also, I've been working on this poetry book, um, loving yourself loving yourself loving and it's got activities around exploring those things of self-love for yourself because i realize at times i punish myself if i don't get something done then it's like okay you can't get any this or you can't have any that so i've been really working to break the habit of punishing myself for things um and uh and and Feeling that 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 closeness, as you said, seven months without a hug. Well, <laughs> I, I do every day. My daughter, my daughter does acting. When she comes home, if she didn't hug me this morning, I was outside her door, and I said, "But I didn't get a hug yesterday." <laughs> and, and so she gave me a good hug. But um, you know, I. But in terms of a, a mate or a relationship. There was someone that I was seeing that's several years younger than me, and, and for some reason I'm not returning the person's calls. And I think there's something in me that feels like in the separation, maybe they found somebody else involved with somebody else. So it's like a prevent defense for the relationship. And I, I I'm challenging myself on why are you doing that? You're not answering the calls, <laughs> but I think it's it's some part too frustrating to. The, uh, they reset the border again. Every month they reset it another month. It was set from the 20 month of this first of this month over to the 21st of November. Things are going so crazy in the area below us. The states that we're connected to are all red. They'll probably move it to Christmas and beyond. So, Oh, I think it'll be closed at least until the end of the year. Yeah. Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah. So, it'll be year. Yeah. <laughs> at least. Yeah. The U.S. is really in bad shape. <laughs> yeah. And that's an area of, of, of sadness because there are things, so many things that I, I love. I love about both countries, and I, I love democracy. I love the freedoms we have, but it's very sad in some ways to see those things being just 
trampled upon. So, yeah, we have guess. friends that have invited us down to Colorado next summer, and it's like I I'm not going to commit right now. I want to wait and see what's going to happen down there. Yeah, yeah. Good idea. I think we're all waiting to see what's going to happen down there, <laughs> regardless of, of of where you live and what your nationality is. Has anybody uh, heard Obama's speech? I heard him last night. Thought he's a beautiful, beautiful speaker. Yeah. It was awesome. He trashed Mr. Trump, uh, but that's beside the point. It was the, his his plea to get out and vote. Well, before we leave this, I just um, I loved everyone's points. I think I think these are really very touching things that you've said. Uh, I'm. I remember my my Swedish grandmother who was very religious and was very opposed to any kind of um, dancing or physical contact or anything like that. But when she got to be 90 years old, it seemed like everybody was hugging her all the, all the time and, <laughs> and, and kissing her and stuff. And I just it, it was funny to me. Um, she got very used to it and really liked it. So anyway, um, you know, my experience with, with my husband has been kind of both intensely together and apart sometimes. And um, he he's he moved up here a year and a half before I did. I've, I'm from Washington State, and um, he worked for the Slavotith, um First Nation for a year and a half. And so during that whole time, we were both living alone and um but we've met, we've we um have traveled around the world and spent intense uh time together by ourselves without speaking the language in another country or um really knowing anyone and so we can do both you know i think we we do okay but i think one of the things that's that i've been doing lately is in trying to write some memoir stuff is to go back and remember old lovers mm. and remember stories about old lovers. Um, and I, and I'm working on one right now, actually. Um, so, and, and that's been really kind of fun and interesting. Um, you know, for, for gay men, I think a lot of, um, a lot of times you don't really, it's not like you really ever break up. <laughs> Hmm. Um, you just you just don't see him anymore, you know. <laughs> That's interesting. That would be a really interesting thing to uh, either write about or explore in poetry. Uh, one of the people that was a presenter, uh, she's a graphic designer, but she wanted to do something different. She wanted to do love letters. And her book uh, was, was a love letter to the film industry about the things that need, need to be more compassionate and loving. But she wanted this graphic, and she wanted to have a window full of love letters. And so then she said the last thing people would want to see is just fake letters. So she put on Instagram a call out if anyone had any love letters that they didn't mind her changing the name, even the city for, but, you know, giving her permission to use them. 
And within days, she got hundreds of letters. And these were some, some you know, just a, amazing work of, of art of people, you know, writing letters of frustration, love, letters of deep love, letters that love they never expressed to a person. So I think, you know, when you talk about maybe people having memoir of an old love that just, it's just, it's gone, it didn't, it's, it, it just is out in the ether somewhere. I think that would be a fun, <laughs> a fun thing to write. Well, I'm surprised that people were willing to share such personal things. Well, it's because she, she was surprised too. I mean, in Instagram, she wasn't paying anything for them. She said she was going to be doing this work of art. So it's a, a whole book, but she, the, the one thing that she said that they trusted that she would change the name, change the city. So yeah. no one could trace it yeah. to being that story. So. She got a whole enough to do a whole book and to have this exhibition. That her visual idea for launching the book was in the bookstore. There would be shoestrings. I mean, uh, what do you call it? Clotheslines with these letters um, attached to them. So, who knows? From your idea, we might stimulate <laughs> stories that people could tell. So I'm happy that we were all able to be together today. Look forward to next week. Next week will be the what the, the day before, two days before the election. So we'll either be overjoyed or be still encouraging other people to get mm -hmm. out. Uh, yeah. So before we close, Sherlock, can I make a very brief announcement? Yes. Yeah. Um, talking about, you know, the ways that we've been inspired during the pandemic, you know, the idea of Zoom casting has has really connected with me and I've been doing a lot. So um, our writing group, I have become the Zoom host because we've moved out of the park and into our own homes uh, during the pandemic. So we're doing a writer's group through Zoom. Um, also with the Council of Women, um, this is a really big thing for me. I'm hosting a public Zoom session um, with the mayor and uh, one of the staff from the city and a housing advocate and a, a, res a representative of one of the residents associations on the impact of density in the city, urban density. And, you know, this goes to the cost of housing, housing affordability, traffic, infrastructure, park space, a whole bunch of things. So I think it's going to be quite an exciting session. So I'll have more information on that to come. It'll be open to anybody that's interested. So I'm hoping that, you know, people that listen to this Zoomcast may be interested on it in it as well. Uh, the date is going to be Tuesday, the 24th of November. It's at seven o'clock in the evening. So anybody that's interested could actually email me Leslie H, that's L-E-S-L-E-Y-H at Shaw.ca. Say it again slowly. Yeah. L-E-S-L-E-Y-H at Shaw.ca. That's Leslie H at Shaw.ca. And I would send them the Zoom link because I'm trying to keep tabs on how many people that we'll be getting. So... Yeah, anybody that would be interested in that would be certainly more than welcome. Can you repeat the date again, November? Yes, it's Tuesday, November the 24th. Okay, thank you. At 7 p.m. Uh, will probably last about an hour and a half to two hours. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to be going away for a couple of weeks. 
Um, so I won't, I probably won't be able to do these meetings the ne- at least the next two. Um, uh, but I'm, I'm really, this is really fun. I'm really glad I did this today and I really enjoyed listening to everyone's um, perspective. So uh, I really want to come back. Well, we really want to be back. Yeah. <laughs> Look forward yeah. to hearing your stories and your insights and maybe directing some of these plays that are emerging from our, our group. <laughs> We'll have our own playhouse theater. Imagine that. Yes. John, I'll be in touch with you. I'll, I'll, I'll book you for a couple of weeks from now. But in the meantime, I will send you a couple of stories. Great. Okay. I'll, I'll send you. I think a radio play would be really cool to do in this medium, actually. Yeah. Would love yeah. to. It's interesting. We, we In Quirky, we talked about doing radio plays. Um, and... Um, it's it's pretty complicated. There's a lot more involved because of all the sound effects and and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. So th- there's a lot to think about with the radio play, but it's it could be really great, really great. Well, well actually, I, I was a co-host of a poetry show on CFRO for a year, so I've got some radio experience, minimal, but uh, a, a year on radio. Uh, yeah, I. I it was an interesting experience. And now through Audition, Adobe Audition, there's a whole sound effects package. Ah, so wow. we can explore with that medium. But wow. I mean, I think it's going to be a great adventure we're going to be on because all of these things, being able to collaborate, connect the dots between other groups we belong to, we can uh, enjoy writing the next chapters of our lives. 